When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hola amigos, this is Ray Hudson from Being Sports and Sirius XMFC, and you are listening to Barça Talk. FC Barcelona's 2007-2008 campaign was a rocky campaign that didn't yield any trophies. We've assembled a panel of journalists to comment on the good, the bad, and everything in between from that rocky campaign. It's all crashing. It's all coming and crashing down. It's the end of the road for Frank Rijkaard tonight and maybe with Barcelona. This series breaks down the entire 2007-2008 campaign from beginning to end in three episodes. This is episode one that covers the preseason to early November of 2007. The entire series is available to the members of our Patreon community. To become a member, follow the link in our show notes. This is Barca Talk. I'm Gabriel Quiroga. FC Barcelona's 2007-2008 campaign was a rocky campaign that didn't yield any trophies. Since Pep Guardiola's arrival at the Camp Nou, FC Barcelona has won a trophy in every campaign. As Barcelona fans, we've enjoyed a period of bliss, and sometimes it's been hard to imagine a season without winning a trophy. 2007-2008 was important because... Right now, we're coming to an end of our most famous La Masia class, and we may encounter inconsistent campaigns, as we did between 1999 and 2007. We've assembled a panel of journalists to comment on the good, the bad, and everything in between from that rocky campaign. Today, we're taking a look at that first third of the season, from preseason until the end of November. Frank Reichard was entering his fourth year as the head man for FC Barcelona, and he had earned success winning two La Liga titles and the Champions League in 2006 season. When you ask fans about the Frank Reichardt years, fans are grateful for the Champions League and early success under his reign. However, the style was not the most artistic, and it relied heavily on the magic and playmaking of Ronaldinho, especially during Reichardt's early years. Maybe because the team seemed more defensive under him. Maybe it is hard to have a strongly formed opinion because at times he seemed so detached. His two major influences were the defensive discipline of AC Milan and Dutch attacking. Here's Ben Hayward, who writes for the Evening Standard and was working in Barcelona during this time. Frank Reichardt, a lot of people remember him perhaps unfairly, you know, for the past, uh, the last two seasons uh, at Barcelona, which things kind of turned a little bit sour, didn't they? Uh, but, you know, he was very successful as a Barcelona coach. And I think coming in, in 2003, he was just the right man, really, to to take over. You know, Barcelona hadn't won anything since 1999. They'd gone a long time uh, without winning a trophy, and um, you know things things weren't weren't good. Obviously, Laporta came in as president and appointed Rijkaard on the recommendation of Johan Cruyff, and I think it was um, a way of getting Barcelona back to that kind of famous style of football, the uh, the 4-3-3, very much the uh, the Ajax style, 
that they they, they based uh, their style of play on uh, in that time. And uh, you know things things went really really well the first three seasons. And um, you know I think um, obviously he had a great career as a player. He, he was someone that um, the, the Barcelona squad probably looked up to. And you know perhaps not as successful, but I would maybe compare him a little bit to to Zidane uh, at Real Madrid in in that kind of um, respect. Because uh, like I say, uh, someone who, who who would command the respect of the players um, because of his playing career, obviously at Ajax and at AC Milan, the Dutch national team, perhaps tactically. Um, not the best, but 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 clear about how he wanted to play that that, that kind of Ajax style, the four three three, and um, a, a bit of a mentor, really, a, a, certainly a father figure for for some of the young players, and uh, a coach who liked to um, to let the best players express themselves and play that kind of attacking football that that's very much um, part of Barcelona's tradition. Reichardt is credited with building the foundation that Guardiola eventually perfected. He used a four three three system and did emphasize the Barca philosophy of possession, pressing high, and allowing forwards to improvise. Here's Kevin Williams, a writer for the Barcelona blog and associate of more than a decade. So that was a a rough year because that was two years gone from when Frank Reichards and Forcer Tenkate was on the bench next to him. And so in those two years, things got loose, right? I mean, so when... When Tenkate was there, it was like, you know, good cop, really, 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 really bad cop. And then when Tenkate left, right, I mean, you had um, Liskins and I'm spacing on the other assistant. But, I mean, those two combined weren't as bad as Tenkate was. And so in in terms of keeping uh, players in line, keeping the dressing room in line, a huge part of that went away. So in 2000. 7-2008, you kind of saw the worst of that deco ronald Dino partnership, right? I mean, Deco was getting yellows here and there, and Ronaldinho was sort of in the throes of setting the stage to become the, the player that Guardiola said, let's get this guy to here. Um, he wasn't as devoted to the game as he should have been. I mean, keep in mind, he was still an extraordinary player, but when you look at him in that season, you know, versus say, you know, 05, 06, prime Ronaldinho, the, um, the drop-off was precipitous. And frankly, I didn't blame Guardiola for coming in and telling him to get out. So there wasn't much of a partnership per se. They were both pretty much freelance on the pitch, which sort of led to that disjointed offense that we saw that year in which anything bad that could happen did. Here's Diego Lorin, who works for La Liga TV based in Barcelona. Well, I think what made it special was that they became instant best buds, it seemed like. It seemed like, you know, they were a seamless fit. Uh, They both knew uh, how to play off of each other. And there was this initial understanding and chemistry that I think is, is almost rare 
rarely seen. You know, it, uh, they, Ronaldinho was the leader, no doubt. And I don't want to take anything from Samuel Eto, but he really wasn't the, say, the Robin to his Batman. And, and I think Deco was that guy because Samuel Eto felt like he was the star. You know, there was, there was a, a, a perpetual conflict also in, in, in that sense between Samuel Eto and Ronaldinho and, and who was the bigger, the better guy. Um, and Ronaldinho more often than not came out the winner and, and, and also even the press you could feel were taking sides because, uh, well, some people say because Ronaldinho was the signing of Sandro Rosé and we all know that in particular Mundo Deportivo is, is, is very close it, uh, to, to his, uh, his campaign and his staff and, and still today to, to Bartomeu where Samuel Eto was a signing of La Porta. And uh, even for us fans, it was a great signing because we finally got our revenge on Real Madrid for taking Figo away, right? Um, he didn't come directly from Real Madrid, but there's no denying that Samuel Eto had a, a Real Madrid past. So, so for the fans, I think it was a, a delight to see both Samuel Eto and, and Dino. But um, I think on the pitch and in the locker room and also for the press, there was this clear uh, distinction being made between, no, uh, you know, Dino and Deco are the one-two punch, and it does a nice compliment to that. Deco and Ronaldinho were about to start their last season for FC Barcelona. Ronaldinho was one of the most important transfers in the last 40 years. He brought back joy and hope to FC Barcelona. His impact was immediate, scoring in the first game a memorable screamer from about 30 yards to goal. Ronaldinho was the big prize for Juan Laporta, president of FC Barcelona, in the summer of 2003, believing that Ronaldinho would change the fortunes for the Azulgrana. When Ronaldinho signed the contract, he donned a new era of winning that laid the foundation for future Barca teams. I mean, at the time, right, it wasn't that big of a deal. Remember that, you know, Juan Laporta had, you know, run everything on getting Beckham, right? Beckham, 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 Beckham. And so then when Ronaldinho came, you know, thanks in part to Sandro Rossell and his uh, big Brazilian links, people were like, okay, this guy's pretty cool. And I mean, we learned pretty quickly what he had. And no one knew it then because the game was still in that weird phase. But I mean, he was really one of those players who made this modern Barcelona possible. I mean, not only Messi, but just that whole global reach of the, the club and the way he played the game, right, was kind of this, many Brazilians had come before him, but the way he played the game, right, was kind of like there was this joy that was infectious. And I think that that allowed him to become this global icon. And with him, he catapulted the uh, club to that same level. So without a Ronaldinho, there's no Messi you know, in terms of that magnitude of fame and celebrity and people being captivated by his weekly exploits. Ronaldinho won the Ballon d'Or. And his goal output and offensive flair not only yielded results, but entertained the Camp Nou. Deco was brought over from Porto in 2004 after having a brilliant year 
for the Portuguese side on a 15 million euro transfer. Deco was thought to be following Jose Marino to Chelsea, but he wanted to move to Barcelona and a deal was struck. Deco was thought to bring some extra offensive punch on the left side to help support the attack led by Ronaldinho. They developed a partnership on the left side that at times was lethal and could score goals at will. Though Deco and Ronaldinho were important to FC Barcelona, there were rumblings already in the preseason that their antics were wearing thin. Your peak, you know, you're feeling uh, uh, invincible, immortal. You've got all the money in the world. Everybody's drooling all over you. You got, you know, guys want to be with you. Girls want to be with you. And um, for a Brazilian, the likes of Ronaldinho, Brazilians obviously have this fama, right? This fame of, of obviously dancing, the samba, the going out, the music. Uh, Deco was, uh, again, his Robin to his Batman. And and uh, I'm sure was loving was 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 loving the yeah the atmosphere and 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 the protagonism as well i mean ronaldinho didn't shy away from that and and it was 100% the case that dinho was seen out all of the times in castel de fez where i think he still has a house actually i want to say uh but he was seen out plenty and and in the beginning it's you know i, I think it's it's fine and 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 frank Reichard here needs to I think he deserves a lot of credit because he knew what to give his players that that kind of uh, freedom also to uh, to go out and do their things. And in the beginning, I say it's fine because I think the hunger was still there as well. And it only became a problem once all the individual and collective trophies were won on behalf of Dino and, and you know, the Champions League, the league titles. That's where it's the, the going out started to become a problem. And no, nobody in the press really cares if you're out and you're winning but when you're if when you're seen before we'll, uh, uh, for example in in the case of Ronaldinho when he was seen out uh before a decisive Champions League clash in the knockout phase against Man United the night before until like 6am uh even though he wasn't playing like i mean this was this was in in, in Manchester i actually went to that game i was in living in london at the time and um uh Dino wasn't there it was still a bad look for him knowing that his teammates were about to be eliminated in their case uh, of the Champions League and and but it happened all the time right i mean i remember as well an instance where the um i want to say it was Barça Sasuna and the papers were reporting two nights prior that Ronaldinho was spotted out uh, until very late uh, in the uh, until the early morning hours before the match against Osasuna. He was substituted. Rijkaard took him out and the fans started booing him like crazy. So, uh, you know, towards the end, there there was definitely a change in, in, in attitude from uh, the fans as well towards Ronaldinho, who were getting, quite frankly, sick and tired of him making more headlines for his partying as opposed to what he was doing out on the pitch. Juan Laporta had, by this time, faced years of criticism of his leadership as president. His vice president, Sandro Rossell, had resigned in 2005, having become tired of Laporta's domineering style. And in 2006, an election was called after a complaint from club members was upheld in court. He wanted to make another splash, and he eyed Thierry Henry, the French striker from Arsenal. The elegant Frenchman was chasing European glory having achieved every domestic trophy in England. Henri arrived on a 24 million euro transfer fee as Rijkaard wanted to bolster the top line and get more consistent scoring. As part of this wave, Lionel Messi entered the team and started to become an outright starter, making 30 appearances the season before. Messi had just turned 20 years old and was looking to contribute more goals 
to ease the dependence on Ronaldinho. Another part of this new way was Boyan Kirkic, the young Spanish wing player who showed promise the season before on Barcelona B with 10 goals in 22 appearances. Rijkaard was a proponent of youth and was hoping this new wave would provide more consistent goal scoring, but could also begin to depend less on Deco and Ronaldinho. Here's Ben. What I remember is the talk of um, uh, the Cuatro Fantásticos, they called them. So it was uh, obviously Ronaldinho, uh, Eto, Messi and Henri. But then, of course, how does four go into three? And it can compare it a little bit to, to last summer when there's all the, the talk of Neymar coming back. So you think, like, you've already got uh, Messi and Suarez and Griezmann uh, and Dembele. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, you know, how, how is, who's, how's that going to work? Sure. With, uh, because right, Dembele, perhaps uh, problems with injury, um, one of them will be on the bench. But, but Griezmann had just signed, yeah. you know, and you can't drop Messi and you can't drop Suarez, not really. And, um, you know, Neymar would have been expected to play. So there was a similar story back then going into that season. There was hope that, uh, obviously, that, that Henri could give the team a lift after uh, disappointing into the last season. Um, I remember that, that that's what, what everybody was, was talking about. And I went to his presentation, to his unveiling, and it was in the... Um, not the usual press room. They, 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 they've got another uh, bigger press room in a different um, part of Camp Nou. Mm-hmm. And there were a lot of journalists there, and they made uh, you know, a special video of all his goals. It was like a, a proper um, signing presentation, as yeah. we see, like, with, yeah, yeah, yeah. with the very biggest signings. And, um, but the team was, was on the slide. You know, um, uh, there was Bojan, obviously, coming through that season as well. Uh, who made a good impression? He scored something like over 900 goals yeah, yeah. in the youth teams, and, and you know ended up doing very well that season, and probably uh, had more opportunities than he should have had because Ronaldinho was was injured and off form. Uh, Etu, I think, went away to the the African Cup of Nations. Uh, it was a little bit of a fallout between him and and Rijkaard as well, and uh, Henri scored 19 goals, but. Um, it, it wasn't, uh, you know, obviously Messi was very good as well, but it, yeah. it wasn't the season that, that anybody anticipated, really. The season started on August 26th in a away game in the north of Spain, Racing Santander. The game ended in a 0-0 tie, and the offensive punch that Reichardt had hoped for did not show up. Even though FC Barcelona had 76% possession and three shots on goal out of 14 total shots. The next stop was a La Liga match at the Camp Nou against Athletic Bilbao, and Barca got the three points in a 3-1 victory with a brace from Ronaldinho and a goal by Yaya Toure. The first two games yielded four points, and FC Barcelona were headed to the Copa Catalunya to try for the first trophy of the year. FC Barcelona faced Girona in the semifinal, ending in a 3-2 victory. However, they were in for a surprise against Hypnostic in the final, which they lost 2-1. Though Barca went with the B team, the loss was a microcosm of the season, best summarized as continued inconsistency. After the Copa Catalunya loss, the next challenge was the Champions League group stage against Lyon. The Camp Nou hosted the match and Barca was victorious with a 3-0 win with goals from Messi and Henri. One of the subplots was Ronaldinho. He was the captain and was subbed off more frequently in the first games of the season as Rijkaard was looking for a reaction from his captain. Messi was clearly the man of the match, 
asserted himself more, and Henri scored in Europe for the first time in more than a year. When Henri put the last goal home off a Dos Santos shot, Rijkaard jumped off the bench with a fist pump and was jubilant to get three points to start off the Champions campaign. The Champions League match seemed to have awakened FC Barcelona as they finished September with three victories in a row over Sevilla, Zaragoza, and Levante. Messi scored a brace against Sevilla, a spectacular volley with an assist from Henri and a penalty conversion by Messi. Messi continued his form as he had another brace and scored the opener against Zaragoza on a patented one-time shot to the left side of the goal with an assist by Henri. Iniesta also got into the scoring. Ronaldinho was left off the squad for a calf injury. However, news leaked that Barcelona were not happy with his late nights and partying. Here's Roy Nemer, who runs Mundial Albi Celeste. It's the same thing that happens to every Brazilian. They're at the peak for like three, four years. Absolutely, like best players in the world, not even close. And then, you know, after three, four years at the top, they just completely disappear type of thing. And we saw it a bunch of times, whether it's because of nightlife or injuries or what, like it's happened to a lot of Brazilians. Ronaldinho specifically, I think... It, honestly, it could be a bunch of little things, or it could be a bunch of things. It could just be the fact that you know he had won the World Cup with Brazil in 2002. He won the Ballon d'Or. He won the Champions League. He won La Liga. Like he won everything there is to win, and he's out there celebrating best player in the world. And uh, he probably just probably couldn't really be bothered anymore in terms of putting in the effort that made him that you know that good. Um, and I, I think it was just that it was the nightlife, the partying. He was what I think twenty-seven or twenty-eight, probably a little bit younger. Uh, he had won everything there was to win, and um, you know the motivation probably just wasn't there anymore. The talent was still there. I'm, I'm sure now the talent is still there. You know that God-given talent is not something you lose. Um, I think it was just the effort and the discipline more than anything for him. It was just like, okay, you know what? I gave my all, whether it was in Brazil or with Brazil or uh, at PSG or at Barcelona. Like I'm done. Let's let's just move on and and see what lies next. And I think that's kind of what happened with him because if you read the stories, and obviously I'm, I'm sure you did, uh, he, he'd get to the training sessions, you know, hungover or just tired and or show up late. And him and I believe Deco as well. So it's. It's in the Brazilian DNA, you know. It's it's that thing where <laughs> you reach the, the the peak of your career, peak of your footballing world, where you just dominate, and then it's just downhill from there. I guess it's but it's Ronaldinho. You, yeah, I can't blame him, man. I love the guy. The last match of September saw Henri break out with a hat trick against Levante and Messi controlling the game. Barca continued to roll with a 2-0 victory in the Champions Group stage against VfV Stuttgart, with another goal by Messi and a big victory against Atlético Madrid. 3-0 in La Liga. Deco scored his first goal this season with a tap-in, and Messi continued his scoring streak, teaming up well with Ronaldinho. FC Barcelona headed to Villarreal, where the winning streak was snapped. The only bright spot was Messi linking up with Boyan in a 3-1 defeat. FC Barcelona bounced back with a 2-0 victory over Almeria. However, Ronaldinho was whistled and booed during the match. To this point, Ronaldinho had only played a full 90 minutes one time, being subbed off five times and not included in the squad another five times. November saw FC Barcelona busy with matches in all competitions. They started the month with a draw against Valladolid and a 3-0 victory against Rio Betis Balompié, where Ronaldinho scored a free kick goal, his fourth goal of the season. Henri started to find his groove, scoring against Betis as well, and continuing that form in the Champions League group stage match against Glasgow Rangers, scoring in the fifth minute. 
During the middle of the month, Barca traveled to Madrid to face Atafe and suffered a 2-0 loss, even though Barca had some clear chances to grab the lead or at least tie the game. Again, Ronaldinho was subbed off for youngster Giovanni Dos Santos. Rijkaard was going with youth more because the old guards were not pulling their weight to help the team. The Copa del Rey that followed saw Rijkaard go with the B team again, starting Dos Santos and Gudjansson over Ronaldinho or Messi. Henri scored in the first half with Gudjansson and Boyan, who came on for Henri at the start of the second half, following up with two more in the closing minutes to make it 3-0 for Barcelona. The last match of November, a La Liga match against Huelva, saw FC Barcelona earn a 3-0 victory. Again, Deco and Ronaldinho were not on the squad, and Rijkaard had the attacking trio of Messi, Henri, and Iniesta. The partnership of Messi and Henri were proving to be effective with any third player who could click with them. In this particular match, it was Boyan. The consistent pressing, speed of play, and offensive improvisation was what Rijkaard was looking for. As each game passed without Deco and Ronaldinho contributing, the new kids were taking the baton and running with it. Sports Social Podcast Network.